Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I am here today with Ari Shapanya. Ari, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, of course. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, so uh, why don't you tell our listeners first who you are and where you're from? Yeah, so my name is Ari. I'm a co-founder CEO at LoanBase, a marketplace that connects uh, real estate investors and lenders. And uh, we launched a platform about... 18 months ago, work uh, nationwide and help uh, real estate investors who seek for a funding between 500K to 20 mil. Okay, awesome. And uh, before you got into the industry and got where you, you, know, where you are today, uh, I'd love to hear the story of your first introduction to real estate, uh, that first exposure uh, where you realized the power of real estate. Yeah, so I'm actually a tech entrepreneur turned to a real estate entrepreneur turned back to a tech entrepreneur. Yes, you have to have a masochistic kind of DNA to do that. But I got to real estate in uh, 2017 when I sold my tech company. I started to invest mostly in the Bay Area, so San Francisco, Berkeley, uh, then a little bit of LA. And I discovered that the process around financing is really complex and convoluted. And just try to find a way to make it all simple and seamless. And I called a few brokers, I called a few banks, and at a certain point, just decided to start a start a solution yourself. But it's it's the best way to you know kind of scratch your own niche approach. Yeah, so that's how we uh, got started. Yeah, interesting. So you sold a tech company and got into real estate as an investor, and then. Yeah. You know, being, being an entrepreneur, you got that itch. You're like, you saw a problem to solve and <laughs> started another company, right? Yeah. Yeah. The problem with real estate is it's very beneficial for the long term. And it's uh, obviously it's one of the best forms of, you know, long-term wealth creation per se, but it's really not as exciting as building a tech platform. And obviously it's very meticulous. And it can be very daunting. So there are states in, like, you know, in California or cities like uh, I'm based in San Francisco, for instance, a lot of red tape and procedures. So it's it can be very uh, challenging, but definitely two different uh, aspects. And uh, I'm very glad to be building technology. Yeah, that's awesome. 
So why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, what your company does today? You mentioned it, it seems to be some kind of marketplace or platform for real estate brokers and mortgage loan officers to meet, but then also on your LinkedIn, it, it talks about you know funding and uh, you know kind of more out of the box funding options. So I would love to hear it from you. Uh, you know what you're doing today. So the gist of loan base was really as as we talked about is to simplify the real estate transactions. It takes about two months to do the research of getting financing, and it takes about another two to three months to do closing. So that's five months out of the, you know, of the officer cycle that really takes a lot of resources and effort from the developer, GP, sponsor, borrower, you name it. It doesn't matter whether you do single family, multifamily, office, retail. It is quite a, a complex process and this process should be simpler so what we do we essentially give the bar the user just an ability to answer a few questions then narrow based on that like zero in on the a few lenders that will actually fit that credit box and then offer a specific uh, set of lenders that are just matching and that's where the process starts and the whole data collection is being done in an automated way. So the bar can have a loan package and that can be sent to the lender. Uh, the lender then gets a, a very seamless experience. So it's, it's just about simplifying the whole thing. As a bar, I was very annoyed by, you know, send me bank statements and send me rental and send me your PSS and all these things. It's like being asked the same question over and over again so it's quite annoying and besides that it's time consuming so you're yeah so anyway that's kind of the the, the goal of, of uh the entire uh i guess the when you're in the industry you really want to focus on finding great deals and executing rather than paperwork right absolutely and it seems like you have the compliance all figured out there because I own a real estate marketing agency. And I know, especially with mortgage pre-qualification leads, there's a higher level of compliance when people are sharing credit information or preferences regarding loans. So if you're to then capture a lead and then you know syndicate it out to, I don't know, whoever best fits them, but the lead doesn't know that at the beginning of the journey, I'm sure you've you know kind of worked all that out and, and you have your marketplace dialed with your privacy policies and everything, because that is a huge benefit. I mean, imagine as a borrower, filling out your loan app one time, right? I, not having to reinvent the wheel every single time you're, you know, considering shopping a different lender or, uh, you know, comparing different companies against each other during that process. So yeah, really huge value prop. And seems like you guys have also done the legwork to be able to work it out with compliance and make this a reality, which is awesome. One question I have is regarding your entrepreneurial habits. You know, you've successfully grown and sold a tech company, something that less than 1% of people, probably a fraction of 1% of people ever are able to do. So that's very commendable to you. Congratulations. And from that exposure of growing a tech company and selling it, and then also now having company in real estate today and, and real estate technology, what's the single most important action that you've taken on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success? I would say idea is nothing. Execution is everything. So if you execute mm -hmm. in a meticulous way, it's, it definitely increases your chance of success. 
I would also venture to say that category selection is, is very critical. Let's say, you know, we wouldn't even take, let's take an example from the real estate space. Okay. So if I'm going to, if I was investing in Arizona or in Austin pre-COVID, that will be a home run, right? Uh, or just in the early days. But right now, maybe the market is already saturated, cap rates have, have adjusted and so on, have decreased and so on. So it's also about timing. It's about selecting the market and so on. And, and this is very similar um, metaphor or analogy. So essentially you wanna choose the right market first, then you wanna have a good product market fit. And then as a last layer, you want to have a great execution. If you have the best execution in the world, then obviously it doesn't going to help much if you're, you know, if you're in a very saturated uh, market. Yeah, so, or the product doesn't fit. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And I'm glad that you mentioned that ideas are nothing. Execution is everything. A story from my past is when I was in college, I had an app idea. My, me and my buddy co-founded this company. It's called So You. And the app idea was it came to fruition when we were studying abroad in Australia, laying on the beach, a couple of, you know, three days into that five month trip. And we said to ourselves, we know where we are in the world. We know what we like to do. Wouldn't it be cool if there was an app that showed you everything around you that was going on that matched your preferences? Oh. So that was the idea. It was 2011, by the way. So this is early to market. And we like mock flowed the whole framework and did this thing. And through having questions with, with different people, I got in touch with a cousin of someone that was in my dorm and he lived in Palo Alto. He was developing apps. I had him sign an NDA and he, when he got on the, the Zoom or the Skype, whatever we were using back then, he almost chuckled at the beginning and said, hey, I, you know, I signed the NDA because you sent it over. But the, we're, we're through the idea and information age. Nowadays, everyone has an idea, right? But execution is everything. And that stuck with me. It, it, his point was that you could give me this idea and I could think it's brilliant, but I'm so deep into 15 other projects right now. I'm not going to add another one on a whim. Plus, if you're already six months ahead of me in execution and I'm going to go start from scratch, you're probably going to be first to market and it's probably going to be better. So just worry about execution. You know, he's like, he's like, don't hold your idea too close to the chest and, and smother it, like share it in fact, and inspire people with it. And that really did open me up to stop writing down ideas in a book and start actually talking about them and sharing them. Yeah. That's so great. Well, what happened with, with uh, your friend? Did it end up being a, a like venturing to a company? You know what? We struggled to raise our seed round. At that time, I had no experience raising capital at all. And I mm -hmm. uh, wasn't comfortable enough confronting my friends and family for it. So uh, basically, it died on the vine. We, we did the mock flow. We, we needed just like $25,000 to get a, an alpha built out. And at that time, it wasn't as easy to build an app. There weren't like these agencies selling, you know, here's a app framework out of a box and you can just put your stuff in it. That 
stuff exists today where you can essentially get an app in the app store for a couple thousand dollars. Um, and you know, you, you got to do the creative, but the whole coding is done for you and it's, it's Apple compliant that didn't exist. Right. So we would have had to have had a team develop it and, and, there was this 200 page document to get into the iOS Apple store. And, you know, it was, it was just out of our scope. We were like, this is, <laughs> this is too much. So uh, it, it did die on the vine, unfortunately, but uh, you know, it was just another one of those entrepreneurial ventures. I, I've had many of them throughout the, the years. And currently I have a marketing agency that, that is successful. So I'm, I'm happy to say that, but uh, that was just one of my experiences. And it related to what you said about execution. It's all about execution nowadays. So I, I uh, you know, definitely appreciate that advice. I think it's really valid. Cool. Yeah. So with LoanBase today, you have this amazing tool that is being used to match borrowers with loan officers. You also mentioned there's a real estate broker element to it. Is that right at the beginning? Yeah. So we, we essentially replaced the broker with a digital one because, uh, you know, let's face it, uh, when you call a broker, um, when your listeners or, or, or when you are as a real estate investor, you call a broker to get financing. It's just it's limited to the Rolodex of that broker. That broker cannot tell you, hey, this bank will do a recourse or non-recourse, interest only, or fully amortized. Their policy is 70% LTV or 65, because this can be changed and updated daily. Right. And therefore you want kind of centralized database that just is, is a more data-driven solution. So brokers can use our solution to power their clientele, but we are essentially either working with brokers directly or working with the client directly. So either or both can use us. We're a tool that enable that enables a faster close optimization. You don't want to leave money on the table when you're approaching a refinance or a bridge loan or a purchase. And you want to make sure that you close on time because you don't want to lose your deposit uh, in in some cases. Yes, absolutely. So in a sense, it's not a real estate broker, but you're you're replacing or or a mortgage broker is working with your tool. Correct, correct. Got it, got it. Yeah. When I hear broker, I just think real estate broker for for whatever reason. I mean, broker can be many, obviously many things in our sphere Mm -hmm. can be be, uh, either a real estate broker or an agent that finds you the deal that agent would sometimes know a financing and mortgage broker. We are, in a way, either replacing or powering the mortgage broker, um, especially the ones that help with uh, investment properties or with commercial real estate. So obviously, if if you're trying to get a, a primary residence mortgage, you don't need us. There are plenty of great solutions out there. To name a few, uh, you know, Rocket Mortgage, your better. I think uh, there are multiple solutions for the primary residents and the market for the consumer. We're a solution for the commercial real estate and investment properties. That's where you're doing things like uh, bridge loans, fix and flip, right? High rent and uh, rehab and hold, and and so on. Uh, so that's kind of the category. See, and that's what interests me about your product. When you mentioned the word bridge loan, I was going uh-huh. to circle back around that once I clarified the whole broker thing. You know, bridge loans are, are not a common type of loan. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's something where you're a wholesaler and you want to tie down a property for a short period of time, or you're a flipper and you want to, you know, just bridge the gap for 12 or 24 months while you complete this flip and sell it at a profit. And 
And uh, you want to maybe include construction, co construction costs in it and base it on after repair value rather than current stakes. It's in a distressed state. Those are type way more creative types of loans. Typically, you got to go for hard money or different situations. So the fact that you have a, is it a website or is it an app? Both. Yeah, so it's a website, uh, okay. loanbase.com. So you have a website that, that you could type in your situation or fill out a form and get all these different solutions for it, even the more creative or outside the box type of lending. That's really exactly. cool. Just like you shop a flight on Kayak or Google Flights, you would do the same on loan base. And uh, that's kind of the experience I want to have as a, as a real estate um, investor. Yeah. Like Google for real estate financing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's awesome. Well, where do you think the industry is heading? You know, what, what are your five, 10 year projections on what the real estate transaction will look like? I believe that there are a lot of segments in commercial real estate that are obsolete. There are a lot of segments that are based on relationship while other segments have been modernized, so you do see that in the consumer market, but less in the commercial real estate. So I think that's where we're headed. On our end, definitely more digital transactions. The financing is a more streamlined rather than the manual process. And uh, in general, I do think that 10 years from now, we'll, 10, 15 years from now, we'll already be in a place where the algorithms are way better in terms of assessing appraisals. So that will be maybe replaced. I know we all remember the kind of fiasco that Zillow had with the iBuy, with the iBuy kind of uh, recent events, I believe it was a few months ago. But, but Yeah, where they canceled their iBuyer platform. Yeah, so obviously that was a, an attempt of a neural network or machine lear learning uh, algo to assess and appraise in a similar like manner, so apples to apples, where you're assessing, let's say, a home at Memphis and a home in, uh, in Austin in the same way. But uh, this is a very market-specific, and but I believe that the algorithms will get better in that time mm -hmm. frame. So underwriting and appraisals will be way faster. Today, you're, you have to wait three weeks to get an appraisal, right? And that affects financing, that affects a lot of things, uh, that affects the purchase. Um, and you are relying on, on agents, real estate agents and so on. So I believe that in 10 years from now, definitely there will be an improved way to assess the value of the property and to close the transaction um, in, a, in a more efficient way. Some companies will be able to do arbitrage, but uh, you know, Zillow was definitely a cautionary tale you know, a premature solution. Um, so in 10 years, probably we're going to get to the point that it's ready. I agree. I think they'll be back. I mean, when you're that funded, Zillow yeah. has essentially created a business model where they can lose a billion dollars a year-ish and still operate. Because from Premier Agent alone, they make, I'm pretty sure it was a billion dollars a year. So... Right. <laughs> Their recurring revenue alone outside of their tech backing and funding is the tune of a billion dollars a year. So they have created a business model where they can burn cash and survive and they can do massive tests like that and see them out for multiple years and spend hundreds of millions of dollars on it and then say, hey, we're going to end that 
and then you know in another six months or maybe two years reintroduce it with better algorithms better information i mean it's not going away but it was interesting to see them pull back i think part of that also was due to the increase in construction costs and labor that was unforeseen due to the pandemic and there were some outside circumstances that inflated the inaccuracy of their automated valuation methods. So those smaller mistakes that they were making up for, they no longer were able to make up for them once you know construction was delayed, lumber tripled in price, um, you know X, Y, and Z happened during and after the pandemic. So yeah, I, I think that once markets stabilize or continue to go up as they might for the next you know several years, all indicators are showing that we're still low inventory and rates are still relatively low. So, so, you know, buyers should be paying premium prices at this time and moving forward. It's I'm curious to see how it, how it pans out moving forward. The, uh, the increase in appreciation can really insulate mistakes in real estate. Right. And then when things correct is when uh, <laughs> Warren Buffett says, when the tide comes out, you see what kind of swim trunks everyone's wearing. That's right. So, so Yeah. With that being said, I, I'm curious if if you uh, have a question that I should have asked you, or if there's anything that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier. Perhaps, friends, in the finance world, and then for the next uh, 12 months, in terms of like the recent spike of interest rates, and where are we heading? What's the what's the implication in terms of uh, the volume of uh, transactions in the market uh, and what does it mean to real estate uh, investors that uh, are approaching the refinance or want to do new deals? Awesome. I think that's a phenomenal question and uh, go for it. Just imagine that I asked you that question just the way that you worded it. Cool. So I definitely think that the next 12 months will be interesting, challenging and full of new opportunities. Definitely, the interest rates have been spiked. We see more than, I think, between 100 and 150 basis points on the uh, increase. That's on the so far on the swap rates as well. So we are looking at essentially loans that were at 3. Let's say 3.7-inch rate, 30-year fixed, gone all the way to close to 6% now. So it's definitely not a good time to refinance if you are an investor um, and you have the opportunity or the choice to hold on to it. But a lot of real estate investors, they are a fix and flip buyers. They're in the midst of their remodeling or ground-up construction, and they have to do that. So therefore, I would recommend to perhaps opt in uh, to products that are more uh, short term, let's say, um, you know, it can be a bridge two years, it can be a, a five year loan with a no prepay penalty. So once the interest rates, if they will correct, obviously depends on inflation, depends on Fed and so on, long term policy. But I would recommend getting a maybe a, um, a five year loan or seven year loan fixed rate uh, with no prepay. And essentially, once the rates are adjusting again, going down, then I would recommend to refi and lock in that 30-year fixed loan and that's the strategy. The second thing is that every, you know, every challenge is that actually a, a hidden opportunity because when, when the inflation goes up and when the, as a result, the cap rates are going up as well in some, some, some cities and some areas, it does create an environment where it's it's tough, it's more difficult to complete a project. So interest rates are going up, 
more real estate investors are, are kind of going to get to a certain challenge of financing and the cost, the carrying cost is higher. And that means that fewer people will actually opt in for, um, for an investment. But that said, that if you are doing something, you do have the opportunity of actually getting more properties and a, a better price, perhaps getting a less competitive landscape so you can find good opportunities at decent price and, and move fast. And when the market will correct and when the interest rate will be lower again, then you can refinance. But if the project is solid, you can acquire it now and essentially uh, ride that out that wave. So the good news is less competition, but the bad news is you will need to withhold the line with you know with interest rates spiking. Yes, I think that's some uh, some good advice, good insights, and I really appreciate you you know sharing that. And I'm curious how listeners can contact you if they want to get in touch. So I'm on Twitter and on LinkedIn, Arishapania. If anyone is interesting to uh, interested to compare rates, then they can always utilize LoanBase in order to just uh, shop like they do on Kayak and see what's out there uh, and, they, and see when the timing is right to refinance and do a new purchase acquisition and so on. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Ari Shapanya, everyone from LoanBase, like the uh, Kayak or the Google of real estate financing. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.